Hello, everyone. Welcome to the TF Blockchain Podcast, where we interview blockchain and digital currency innovators building our distributed future. I'm your host and founder of TF Blockchain, Jonathan G. Blanco. TF Blockchain hosts premier conferences featuring blockchain leaders actively growing the industry. With our platform, we are building connections between business and technology executives and blockchain innovators leading the charge through our interactive speaker presentations and facilitated networking sessions. We have hosted two conferences to date, with our next conference taking place in Seattle on March 28, 2019. Learn more at tfblock.io. We'll be releasing traditional podcasts here shortly. For now, listen to our session from our first TF Blockchain conference back on August 9th, 2018. In this episode, you'll hear from Raul Sud, the founder and CEO of Unicorn, one of the world's leading esports companies building extensive crossroads through betting, blockchain, content, and experiences, and has investors like Mark Cuban and Ashton Kutcher. Prior to Unicorn, Raul founded and created Microsoft Ventures, the first incubation fund for startups at Microsoft. If you're fascinated by gaming and e-betting and how blockchain can support this industry, you won't want to miss our conversation from TF1. So, uh, Raul, um, you know, you know, one of the main questions I have is, so you were at Microsoft Ventures Mm -hmm. and then from there, Unicorn, right? So um, during that transition, was was crypto on the horizon in your mind then? Uh, No. Um, The the transition from Ventures to uh, Unicorn was basically esports, yeah. um, and I have been in the gaming industry for for many years prior to uh, joining Microsoft. And uh, I've been watching esports for a while. And my son uh, kept bugging me. He kept saying, "You know, Dad, you gotta you gotta quit your job and and get back into esports, get back into video games." And uh, and then he got me playing League of Legends with him. And how's your son? He well, he was 15 at the time. He, he's he's now you know like 18, he's going to UW. He got a job as a data scientist at Microsoft. I mean, he's a freak. But he, he, he got me to quit my job and, and get into the space. Like he, he got me into League of Legends. I started watching some of the professional matches and you know, seeing how many fans actually watch this this sport. It's like the fastest growing sport in the world. Right. It's, right. it's pretty interesting. So. Right, and you know, um, crypto has been pretty big in esports for a while, right? Yeah, so what's interesting about crypto and esports is you're talking about two of probably the hottest, like hottest segments, I guess, for business, you know, two, two very hot sectors. But the, but the cross-section of customers, uh, people who watch and play esports, is very high with cross-section of customers for those who actually understand what a wallet is and how to trade crypto. Yeah. Um, and we were surprised to learn that, actually, as we, as we kept developing our business, uh, that 70% of our customers were either interested in or were already trading Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, it's, it's a really great market segment for, for what we do and you know, when you combine the two together. I mean, look, I've spoken to lots of ICO projects in the past... I don't know, a year or so. And, uh, and most of them just don't have a customer base that's even like close to ready to start to trade crypto, like a retirement community, you know, with a token. I mean, <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense, right? And eventually it will make sense, but right now, you know, making it easy for the consumer is probably the biggest challenge. Totally. Yeah. And I'm just curious, you know, from someone that's not super familiar with esports, why do you think there's that connection or that affinity uh, to using that? Right. So uh, the reason there's an affinity for that is because younger people tend to watch and play video games. They also are very tech savvy. And, um, you know, they're, they're more, I guess they're, they're, they're more friendly to things like, uh, you know, um, like 
do away with the banks and, and, you know, I want to control my own money and, you know, that sort of thing. And they, and they do transact a lot. Um, you know, they, they tend to spend a lot of money, even though it may not look like it. Millennials actually do have money and they do spend it. So yeah, on things they care about. Right. Right. So, um, so, you know, unicorn, you have amazing list of, um, of investors, right? Mark Cuban, Ashton Kutcher, um, you did a traditional raise, and then you went ahead and said, hey, we're going to do a token sale. Uh, can you tell us, walk us through that? Sure. So, um, so just to give you some perspective, Unicorn raised $10 million in 2014. Um, and we are a, uh, you know, we're a venture-backed esports platform. And our, our major business, I mean, besides all the content that we create, the tournaments we run, and like the team ownership and stuff like that, the major business we have is really betting. We're a betting business. We're, we're the biggest bookmaker on earth for esports. We create odds on all of the major esports matches around the world. And, um, and you know, we, we also care about regulation. We deal with regulators all the time. We have licenses. Um, it's a very complex business. But one of the things that we did in 2015 was we had a lot of people in places like the US and Brazil and places where we weren't licensed to do real bets. And they said, look, we want to play on your platform. How can we do it? So we came up with the Unicoin back then. And the Unicoin was a free token that people earn. They connect their, their Riot accounts or their League of Legends accounts or their Rocket League account, doesn't matter. You can connect your account to the Unicorn platform and you earn tokens as you play games. And what we do is we collect the data on like how they play games and we start to create odds. Like we actually create our book on skill betting around the odds that we collect. And we get a massive amount of data from this. And then they can take those tokens and they can do whatever they want with them. They can bet with them. They can win prizes. Um, they cannot trade them. They cannot sell them. They cannot transfer them. Like none of that. Um, and we had no idea that the Unicorn would actually become popular. Like to, to be quite honest, we thought the Unicorn was just going to be a way for us to, to gauge new markets and think about where we want to get our next license. But we turned over like a quarter billion coins in six months. Yeah. And, um, and it was around uh, 2016 we started to build on blockchain for the commerce side of our business. Yeah. And then, you know, last year we said, wow, we got so many people using Unicoins, you know, and they all want more, you know, utility out of the coin. What can we do? And that's where we came up with Unicoin Gold. Yeah. And so to clarify for everybody, Unicoin is not a cryptocurrency, correct? It's called Unicoin Silver now, and it's not a cryptocurrency. But, but Unicoin Gold is. Yeah. And we sold, I don't know, around 140 million Unicoins last year, mostly to customers, which I guess is a good thing. Um, and, you know, we've been, we've been building... Uh, what's now become the the most cutting edge back end for for betting in 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 the world. I mean, I I, I don't know what to tell you about this, but I'll, just to give you an idea, we have built a system that's light years ahead of anybody in this space. It is uh, it is a, a transaction engine that supports nine thousand uh, nine thousand transactions per second on blockchain. Uh, it supports full live betting, multiple currencies, and multiple tax jurisdictions. Um, and it's and it's uh, and it's on blockchain. You know, like nobody has done this. So so it'll support cryptocurrency and fiat currency. It's called Unicorn Jet. We just launched it with Unicorn Silver, and we're within four weeks of launching it with Unicorn Gold, and in around 19 countries around the world. So we'll have real usage, and um, you know, like people will be driving a lot of betting through our platform, and it's all legal. You know, the thing is, when we went to crypto, we didn't do it to dodge laws or, or skirt regulation. You know, regulators are here for a reason. 99% of the regulators are here to protect consumers. They're not here to stifle innovation. Like, they shouldn't be. They should be here to enable innovation and, uh, and, and protect consumers. And that is why we kind of, 
we kind of went down this path of licensing and, and building a really good platform, which by the way, I, somebody had mentioned Malta earlier. I'm an opportunist, I guess, in that, in that, in that uh, uh, discussion, because you know, the thing is in the US, as much as I, I respect what the gentleman was saying, I get it. The problem is when you don't have clarity, you can't just go, like you need regulatory certainty to do what we do. We are, a, we are a highly regulated business in the gambling space. Oh my God, like waiting for the US to come along and do something would mean that I'd be an old man before I actually launched a business. So we had to work in areas where, you know, regulators are friendly towards us and that's why Malta was important as well. Yeah, I'd love to kind of touch a little bit deeper on that, right? So cryptocurrency, high, you know, a lot of ambiguity, gambling. I know there's been some changes recently um, with gambling laws and so forth. So love to dive deeper in that. Sure. So, um, uh, I mean, I, I can get specific on, you know, a couple of those things. Look, crypto is very, um, uh, how should I say it? Um, it's, a, it's a highly unregulated space. You know, when you're a business like ours, uh, in order to get a license, a gambling license, they go through everything. Like getting a license in Malta and the Isle of Man, especially Malta, is one of the hardest things you'll ever get. Um, so they go through all the directors, they do due diligence on everybody, they check out our, you know, police history and like all this other, you know, random stuff. But one of the things they do, they also look at the, the token sale we did. And they want to know like the full KYC and AML systems we built. They want to see everything that we did. And then they randomly pick people and say, okay, who is this person? Who is this person? Who is this person? Um, so we have the best KYC system. And we had to develop it ourselves because unfortunately, you know, especially last year, Nobody was doing it. Everybody was doing random token sales and they were taking Ethereum anonymously in a wallet and then transferring people tokens without thinking about the legal ramifications around like the potential money laundering that's going on in that space. Um, we had to do all of it. So, you know, building AML and KYC is very important, especially in our business. Definitely, definitely. So um, one of the things I, I, uh, I believe I read about you in Malta is the um, pallet, pal palladium, how do I say that? Palladium. Palladium. Correct. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love for you to share a little bit about what, what that's about. Okay, so, you know, just to give you an, an overall view, um, the, the vision for Unicorn is to become, uh, you know, the, the biggest bookmaker for esports in the world. We, we, we aim to uh, enhance uh, the experience for watching and playing esports. Uh, so we heighten that experience, and we do that with betting. Um, and at some point in time, you know, we'll probably look at taking some of our platform and putting it into traditional sports. But here's the challenge with crypto, and this is where Palladium came in. There are three big problems with this space. Number one, you need a government that will give you regulatory certainty as a company and what you're doing and be able to give you a sandbox in which to play in where you know what the regulations are and you know that you're not breaking the law. That's, that's number one. Number two, we need banks to be able to support and embrace the space and make it easy for companies like us to be able to bank our crypto. Like, oh my God, we collected, I don't know, 32, well, we collected, sorry, 112,000 Ethereum last year, some Bitcoin. You know, it went up to like $100 million at one point, then it was down to whatever, $60 million or something, and I don't know what it is today. But just banking it and dealing with having to take the crypto and turning it into fiat is a bit of a nightmare. And then last thing is, you need it to be easy for consumers. Now imagine today, I'm just going to give you an example from my company. A customer, in order to bet on our platform with Unicoin Gold, they first have to go to Coinbase. They have to buy Bitcoin. They have to take that Bitcoin. Then they have to go to like Bittrex. Then they have to go to Bittrex and say, hey, here's my Bitcoin. I want to transfer that to UKG. Then they take that UKG and then they bring it on another wallet and put it on our platform. I mean, it's the stupidest, like no way in hell we're ever going to get any customers using this platform and being happy about it. 
So what we want is we want customers to be able to swipe a credit card on our site, be able to buy the Unicoins right away and be able to bet and, and use it in all of the th offerings that we have on our platform, just like that. But we don't want to be a money services business. We're not a money transmitter. We don't want to have any of that, of, of that, that crap around with it. And that was the whole point of the Palladium project. Palladium is based in Malta. We're doing a joint venture with Bittrex, uh, who, by the way, Bittrex is probably the, the, well, they are the most legit exchange on earth. I don't know if any of you know them, but I can tell you right now, they're based in Bellevue. They are the largest in volume, audited volume. They're the only exchange that actually gets their volumes audited by an external auditor. Um, this company went, yeah, they're, they're really legit. This company went from four employees last year to something like 70 employees now. They are, uh, they are the fastest growing, they're probably one of the fastest growing companies on earth, and they're the biggest uh, user of, um, of Azure, uh, like the, the biggest Microsoft FinTech user on Azure in the world. Now, how many of you know what BizSpark is? Yeah. Imagine these guys, when they got on BizSpark, Microsoft gave them a $300,000 credit, and they're all high-fiving each other, and now they're blowing through you know, like more Azure than Bank of America is, for example. Um, it's, it's amazing, and it's a really cool startup story, and it's all based in Seattle. But anyways, Palladium is partnered with those guys. Excellent, excellent. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of questions for Raul, so I wanted to actually open it up for questions a little bit earlier. Does anybody have a question? If not, I can keep going with some of my questions. Anybody have a question for Raul? No? All right. Um, uh, so... Um, Sorry, so you know, we're talking about these consumer experiences. Um, you know, obviously, your, your experience at Microsoft Ventures. Um, yeah, I know you advise a few startups as well. Uh, what do you see when you're talking to these startups? And, or what's some advice that you can give to people who are um, you know, looking to create their, their, their unicorn? Uh, well, and not, not, and not, not the way you spell it, like their, their yeah, unicorn. Yeah, their actual <laughs> unicorn. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the one thing that I found that l lately is everybody wants to go out and create a coin and do an ICO. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's probably like the last thing you should do, to be honest with you. Like, I, I, think, I think the idea of a token, I think the tokenized securities is the future. I think the security token is definitely the future. And doing a, you know, like a crowd sale, uh, you know, and, or, or some sort of crowd raise or something makes sense if you're giving equity or you're giving a warrant or something like that. Um, we actually did a full-on prospectus with, uh, with Palladium and it got approved uh, in Europe. Um, so it's going to be the first tokenized security in Europe. But here's the problem with the tokens, the ICOs. People were doing ICOs for the wrong reasons. They're doing it to raise money. And when you do that, you're basically selling a security, number one. And number two, when you're doing an ICO with a utility token, you're, you're basically promising that you're going to have a user base using this token. Um, and that's a challenge. So you really need to go out and build something first. So the best advice I say is go out and build a platform first. Go out and build a token economy around that platform if there is one, if, there, if it's a necessity. And then if it is and it makes sense to build a token, then great, it does. But you really need to sort of ask yourself, like, is there an application for blockchain, number one, and what is it? And number two, do I really need a token? Um, and, you know, in most cases, you probably don't need a token, but, but blockchain can be applied in a number of different ways. Definitely, definitely. Like, yeah, does, does this product actually need something to, to facilitate that value? Th that kind of leads me to my next question, actually. So, um, so I'm super fascinated by the fact that you had um, the Unicoin, and then now it's silver and gold. How do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile the, the, coin, sorry, the coin that's not crypto with the actual crypto as a user? 
Or for the user, sorry. Yeah, for the user, it's really easy, actually. Um, you know, we, we actually built our platform so it's, it's user-friendly and the blockchain's in the background, which is really strange in this space. How many of you tried Augur? Uh, probably not. Oh, okay, you yeah. have. Is horrible, right? I mean, you have, it takes two hours to download it, and you're like, what the hell is this thing? You know? And these guys raised, I don't know how many billions last year, or what they're worth, but it's, 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 it, yeah, 150 million? Is that right? Like a, at least 100, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's stupid. I mean, really, it is. Like, they, they raise a lot of money, and, and it's really hard to use. It's impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible to use, right? <laughs> and, and, and Unicorn, you can go to the Unicorn site, and you can actually start, you know, registering like a normal website, set up an account, use it. You don't even realize it's on blockchain. Um, so our, you know, and, and really we, we make Unicorn Silver and Unicorn Gold visibly different. We tell people what it means. Like you know, how we reconcile it is Unicorn Silver is kind of a free for all. It's, it's something that you earn. It doesn't have value. You can't trade it. You can't sell it. I mean, it has value on the platform and people love to collect it because they want to, you know, sort of rank up and Unicorn Gold, while that's pretty, uh, you know, that's, that's a different story when it comes to accounting on crypto, that's another huge problem that needs to be solved. We're working with an accounting firm in San Francisco who specializes in crypto accounting because imagine the sort of mark-to-market accounting we have to do when somebody makes a transaction with Unicorn Gold in our platform. Not only do we have to account for the Ethereum that we collected during the token sale and the value fluctuations and when we sell it, but every time somebody places a, 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 a transaction with Unicorn Gold in our platform, we have to account for that too. So that's really hard to do, but we do it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, you raised traditional venture. Um, you did a token sale. Um, on your next company or whether if you need to raise again, are you going to do a token sale or are you going to raise venture? Right. So our next round for Unicorn is going to be a, uh, you know, this is really interesting. Like we were, we were talking about going public at some point and we have a goal as to when we can go public once our revenue gets to a certain stage. It's within 12 months. Um, we started to look at different exchanges. We looked at the Australian stock exchange, which is interesting because Australia, there's no small cap stocks. So everyone trades on the same exchange and the volume is like the third highest in the world. We looked at the NASDAQ, which is interesting. Then I started talking to Bill at Bittrex, and he says, like, why? And I said, what do you mean? And he says, well, you're a blockchain company. Why wouldn't you be one of the first blockchain startups to list a token, right? And to tokenize your, 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 your equity. And so we thought about it, and we're like, yeah, you know, we're going to create Unicoin Palladium on the Palladium platform, which is going to be a security exchange. Um, and we will, we will list our tokens on an exchange. And, and it'll be ring-fenced with other exchanges that are security approved exchanges. So there's probably some questions as to how a security exchange will work. Um, I have that question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the way I see it happening is this. Um, you know, the problem with tokens is whatever you, whatever you have, whether it's a utility token or a security token, the technology doesn't know the difference, right? Like if, if I trade you a security, you could take that token and put it on a wallet and trade it on Ether Delta potentially, which would really blow things up. So what has to happen is the exchange that sets up a security exchange was going to have to ring fence it and lock the wallets. So you can't actually remove the token from the exchange, but you can trade it on the exchange. It. And I think that's how it's going to work, and I think that's where it'll go kind of in the future. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Does anybody have any questions out there? Are you, are you, is everybody just in awe like me? What's going on? <laughs> go ahead. No, no. Well, first of all, we hold our own coin, like regardless, because we have a we have a treasury that we hold it in. But uh, and everybody, every founder was locked in to hold it. 
we don't care about the day-to-day fluctuations because you're absolutely right. I mean, the market last year went to, went crazy. The thing went from like I don't know, ten cents to two dollars and fifty cents, you know, and uh, and then it and then it crashed down to whatever seven eight cents. Um, until there's real usage, it doesn't matter, right? We we don't care about the day-to-day uh, fluctuations of the coin. What we care about is at some point in time that there's uh, that there's a little less volatility and that we can control that volatility uh, so that you know, customers feel comfortable about being able to acquire the coin and bet with it and then trade it really quickly. Um, so let me explain what I mean by that. Like we, we never, you, you can't really promise a return on a coin and you shouldn't, right? You, we tell people, look, this isn't an investment. You buy Unicoins, you're buying it for our platform. Don't expect a return. You're not gonna get voting rights. Like it's just, it's just a coin for the platform itself. And what we did was we devised a, um, what we call a risk pool. So 150 million coins we kept on hand as a risk pool, where as a betting operator, when you're betting against us, you're betting against the house, right? And, and we put odds on every single match. So when you bet, you're betting against the house. And what tends to happen with good betting operators is over time, they make money, right? And so our, our, our pool will go from 150 million and will grow. Now, as it grows, the the public pool will get smaller. And therefore, you know, the volatility may start to get higher. So what we'll do then is we'll come up with ways to redistribute those coins back into the market through earning it on, you know, people connect their gaming accounts to our platform. They can do it through raffles. Like, uh, we actually have uh, different things on our platform where people, not raffles, but jackpots. People can uh, participate on those things. And there's different ways for them to earn coins without having to go and buy them. So that's how we kind of measure volatility. In the back. So uh, it, it, I mean, look, you can't, you, you'll have arbitrage on a network of exchanges that are, that are security token exchanges and that are approved by, you know, the, the major exchange that we're working with. So, you know, uh, you're asking, like, how do people arbitrage uh, uh, a security on multiple exchanges? If that exchange doesn't support that security, you, you, won't have, you won't have access to it. You'll have to get on the exchange and you'll have to be allowed to trade it. Um, that's kind of the problem with tokens, to be honest, that anybody can list it, anybody can do whatever they want with it. I won't name the exchange, but one of the largest exchanges in the world has, one of our, has our tokens on it. And there was like a, a few weeks ago, the thing was trading massive volume and we had no idea what was going on, but it was basically fake volume. You know, um, like we know it had to be fake volume because we know what our transactions are on our platform and it was weird. And, and when people start manipulating coins like that, it's bad because it, it makes us look bad. Every time we talk about ICOs, like everyone gets a bad taste in their mouth, you know? Like I, I don't want to see that. I want to see this place get legit. I want to see coins like Unicoin Gold become, you know, expose themselves as being some of the best uh, platform tokens in the world. And I want to start to see crypto becoming uh, more recognized as, yes, this is actually a great place to invest. So, yeah. I, I just want to follow up on that. So, so what did you do in that scenario where there was that volatility? We, or- we called them up. And we said, guys, like, what the hell, right? And then, and then when we called them on it, they somehow magically it stopped, right? <laughs> but, um, but that's kind of crap, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's, we shouldn't have to do that. And, like, we're not the SEC. We're not, like, some regulatory body in, you know, some foreign country. We're not the, those people. But, but we, we had to do that. And, unfortunately, that's why regulators are coming in. And many regulators are kind of overstepping. 
they're, they're, they're going a little bit too far to, to the, you know, to the, like, let's, let's tighten the screws on these guys versus let's try and figure this space out and create an environment that's comfortable. That's what Malta is doing. Malta is creating an environment that's comfortable, but they have very, very, very high regulatory processes. So I imagine 80% uh, of the companies that you see jumping to Malta aren't going to be able to make it there because of the regulatory um, processes they have. Yeah, it's good to know that it's it's not as easy as people might think. No. Um, what other questions do we have from the audience? We have time for about two more. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no. Um, so we, we created a private-public blockchain, actually. Uh, the reason we can handle 9,000 transactions per second on blockchain is because we have a private blockchain. But we can take that blockchain and we can give it to other betting operators out there. So there have been multiple operators who have come to us and said, we want to use your platform. We want to offer esports to our customers and we want to offer cryptocurrency. We have a way for them to be able to do that. Um, and as long as they, they make Unicoin Gold as part of their thing, like we'll, we'll do it. Um, and we have sort of a commercial business that we're, we're developing right now. Um, but, you know, to be honest, it's, it's all nonsense until we launch publicly. And, um, and I'm just waiting. Like, I was, in, I was in one of the islands the other day. We got our approval, subject to a few certain things that we're going over right now. And the approval that I'm talking about, we already have a multi-license. But the approval that I'm talking about allows us to do crypto betting, which is unheard of in our space. Like, nobody has this license and is able to do it in 19 countries around the world. We will have it. And I will say within the next four weeks, we'll be doing it. So we're, we're that close. Do you have any issues with responsible betting? Which they have in the well, we, we have to deal with responsible betting. And, it's, and, and have to is kind of like we want to. And what responsible betting is basically when somebody is betting too much, they have, you know, the whole point of blockchain for us is, is, is to make it uh, very transparent to the customer. Customers need to be able to see their entire wagering history. And they need to be able to know, we need to be able to know that they're betting too much or betting too heavy. And we need to be able to stop betting and put them through a responsible betting program. Um, luckily, in esports, it doesn't happen as much. Esports is basically just like micro bets. And it's, it's a pretty, like, it's like novelty betting. Um, but at some point in time, I imagine it's going to be much bigger, especially when we bring on traditional sports. It's going to be a lot bigger. So, yeah, we do. We have one, uh, Quinn. Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, it's actually a great question. You know, we're, we're already in a highly regulated space with gambling. I like to play video games, and I like to bet on sports. Like, I'll watch the Seahawks, but if I place a $100 bet on the Seahawks, I'll watch it from beginning to end. Um, and, like, my partner is Carl from Australia. If you ever meet Carl from Australia, you'll know, like, what kind of person he is. If you ever met anybody from Australia, you know what an Australian is like. <laughs> Carl is like that guy. He loves to bet. He's, he, he bets on everything that he can possibly bet on. Um, and uh, he kind of inspired me to kind of, you know, to look at it as a, as a new space. Um, but, you know, the question that you're asking is such a good question because the space needs legitimacy. And we need more companies like ours who are looking at this as a, like, these are real businesses. Look, man, 
gambling is a multi-billion dollar business. It just got approved in the U.S. with uh, with with the PASPA laws being lifted, and now you can you'll see online gambling in multiple states. We're partnered with the MGM Grand. Every week we run casino uh, tournaments inside their casino, esports tournaments, and we were the first company to uh, be allowed to bring a cryptocurrency onto the Las Vegas Strip. We're working with regulators to get them to see the light in this space. So that's the gambling side. On the crypto side, it's the same story. Um, you know, 95% of the coins that came out last year are all shit, like garbage, trash, right? And, and it makes us look bad because the market has come down quite a bit. But I promise you, I promise you that that is all going to go away soon enough. And you're going to start to see some really, really good coins start to lift up and start to bring on uh, new you know, new investment into the space. And the last thing is you're starting to see a lot of really big financial institutions get involved in the space. Secretly behind the scenes, people are buying Bitcoin and they are, they are starting to build on blockchain. They're starting to hire in the blockchain space. Cryptocurrency will be legit one day, just like gambling in the US will be legit one day. Because I promise you when you go to Australia or Europe, gambling is just a part of culture. And here people were, were told that it's bad unless you go inside a casino. That's all going to change. It's just not... Betting on sports is actually fun, uh, as long as you do it reasonably and responsibly, so. Yeah. Well, Raul, thank you so much for taking the time. I think we all really enjoyed that, right? Thank you for listening to the TF Blockchain Podcast. We appreciate your support as we continue our mission to connect the broader business and technology community with blockchain and crypto innovators. For the most up-to-date information on all things TF Blockchain, please visit tfblock.io. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to hear from our amazing speakers changing the world through blockchain and crypto. If you're interested in partnering with TF Blockchain Podcast, please email us at podcast at tfblock.io. Stay crypto, my friends. We'll see you soon. The views and opinions expressed at TF Blockchain events and podcasts are solely those of the ones presenting and do not necessarily reflect the positions or opinions of TF Blockchain. TF Blockchain is not responsible for the opinions or content of its guests and does not endorse any particular company or currency. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be used to make investment decisions.